0: you're listening to changing reality changing reality where we bend reality all across the world only on wqhs radio so hi everyone and welcome to another episode of changing reality so welcome one welcome all if this is your first time joining us for today's show Where have you been all our lives? We've been waiting for you to tune in. But anyway, it's amazing to have you guys here with us on today's episode of Changing Reality. So for all of you who are new, this is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are, in essence, changing their own reality. And through the show, we'll be hanging out and interviewing phenomenal people from social change makers, entrepreneurs, to business owners, industry experts, to even artists, musicians, and inspiring individuals from all across the world. And through this show, hopefully we get to hear these inspiring stories on how they're making little changes to the world around themselves through themselves and pick up bits of wisdom that we can use in crafting our own journeys forward. And i'm someone who's super passionate and i really truly believe in the power that stories have in crafting these careers for ourselves simply because i wanted to do this show because i thought that there are so many people out there who make waves in the lives of others and it, personally for me as well the stories that i've heard from them have changed the way that i look at the world and that's changed the ways and the lives of so many people that i know as well so for example just Some of the few things that I've managed to accomplish or or things that have come out of hearing stories is I actually founded and run a youth movement called Ascendance Back at Home in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, where we collaborate with organizations from our Malaysian Ministry of Education to 28 different countries to help everyday students have access to an alternative education platform that helps them change their reality. So we work with students from elementary to high school through various projects, programs, experiential learning opportunities that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves, in the world around them, and start their own careers while they're still in school. That creates meaningful impact not just for themselves, but to those around them as well. And we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in 900 over communities and incubated countless number of student-run startups, projects run by students aged 8 to 25 years old themselves. And the reason that all of this has been able to happen is because of kind individuals who are willing to share their stories, their experiences, so that others can learn from them as well. And it shortens their learning curve. And just like that, I know that through the show, we have that same responsibility and we have that same ability to make an impact so that you guys can have the opportunity to be on the fly in the wall of these conversations that will hopefully change your life as well. So if you have any questions about it, do drop it in the show chat below. And we'd love to see what are the things that you guys want to learn? What are things that are important for you in your journeys? And hopefully take them up on the show as well. And that brings us to today's speaker. So today we have someone who's absolutely phenomenal, who's played multiple roles in this vast, huge world of uh, marketing and advertising, and who at the same time has an origin story that may be familiar for many of you uh, who've spent some time here on Penn's campus as well. And without further ado, Sadie Tonga is an established, inspiring marketing leader and a creative business innovator. She has helped build and currently leads Google's Creative Works team. So she and her team actually helped accelerate Google's biggest clients and creative agencies and partnered relationships. They uncovered strategic marketing collaboration opportunities, and they drive forward their business and brand goals. She's someone who's absolutely amazing. She not only spends a lot of time um, in this whole world of marketing and branding, but also is a firm champion of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is also someone who is um, actually one of the co-chairs of Google America's DEI Council. So someone we can learn so much from, someone who truly has amazing experiences for us to listen to today. And without further ado, let's bring her on to our virtual stage. Hello.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining. How are you today? Hopefully we didn't catch you at too bad of a time. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How are you doing? All right, can't complain. I mean, we've got this interview schedule, So obviously that's made my day 100% better in a way. And I hope that's the same for our audience. But anyway, I really appreciate you taking like the time to be here. I know that you've done so many amazing things um, in your whole career in this industry in a sense. And I'm just blown away. I think the last time we chat and just looking at the amount of effort and, and amazing things that you've accomplished. So I've got to start off, though, and, and ask you a question that... Many students at Penn, we love this creative world and all of that. But at the same time, we're very much a finance focused arena. So many of us actually started in either economics or uh, some for some even in medical or engineering. And I noticed that you two actually did your bachelor's degree in economics, is that true? So like, how do you get into like the creative world? What happened in a sense?
1: That is true. I, uh, you know, it's interesting because growing up as a kid, I always had a fondness for creativity. So I used to take art classes with my father when I was really young. I was in musicals and took acting classes. And so there was an artistic artsy side to me all of my childhood, I would say. And when I went to college, I decided to major in economics because I really also had a strong um, love of math and I loved business, and I was very interested in it. So it was this interesting, I felt like my world was interesting and my brain was an interesting combination of data and math and business and also creativity and innovation and inspiration. So I guess that's, I mean, that is right brain, left brain, right brain being creative, left brain being more analytical. And I do believe that to be one of my superpowers is that combination of the two. I didn't realize that though until I think, it didn't really come out I would say until I was in college and had that economics track. I was going to all the econ classes, I was getting immersed in business. And as we were preparing to graduate, most of my econ friends and classmates were going on to finance. And that really was at the time the core track was to go into banking or um, some element of finance. And I thought to myself, could I picture myself being in that field? Is that something that I really want to choose as my path, knowing that side of me that was so passionate about storytelling and creativity and the arts? And so I thought, what are career paths that could really combine the best of both of those that could be business oriented, but also in a creative field of some kind. So I thought about you know the pursuit of architecture or really you know or pr i landed in marketing and advertising so starting out at an ad agency working on the business side of things so in other words rather than being a creative director i was really running the business and the account management at an ad agency which turned out to really fuel my passion fuel my right brain left brain thinking and you know, for me, it was an exciting first step to not necessarily follow the track that others had been following for so long, but to think about inward about what I really wanted for me and what I thought would be interesting in terms of a growth path for me and taking a step out of the typical economics finance track into the world of marketing and advertising. And I have not looked back since.
0: You know, that's absolutely beautiful. And as I said, it's definitely a story that I feel many Penn students are going through right now, or at least many students in general, where they, I like, I think for you, you're a very well-balanced individual, but probably for many of us starting up, we're just full of a lot of confusion of where do we start in a sense. So I really appreciate you sharing kind of like how you learned to balance it. Tell us a little bit about kind of maybe that first role that you had, like, like I think you did an internship or, or, or something to, to really test the waters in this how was it like for you? What was the moment that you realized that, oh my gosh, this is the thing that's making the most of my skill sets in a sense? Did you have an aha moment or was it just the general experience?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell two, two quick stories. One is I was I went to school in New York State, and I was with a few other friends living, planning to live in the city and do internships um, in the city for this summer before our senior year, I think it was. And I had a desire to work for Rolling Stone magazine, which at the time was at its heyday. So everyone wanted to work at Rolling Stone. It was the culture generator, you know, super cool, um, interesting publication. And I just had a desire to work there. I thought it would be cool, interesting, um, meet new people, understand the world of publishing, and. Um, again, really in my, cool. yeah. in my high school cool. days, yeah, and Rolling Stones is, is still cool in a sense. So, but at the time, it was very coveted as an internship. It was very hard to get in, and I and I went to interview and tried to get in there to get a summer internship. And actually, I'm sorry, this is the June summer before my junior year. Went in, tried to get in. They said, "We're so sorry, we're, we don't have any openings. We, we're there's we have such demand to be and to get interns in here. We just we can't we can't you know bring you in this summer." And, I, and, I, and that was a moment where I thought to myself, what can I do to get in? So I said to them, I live in New Jersey, which is very close to New York City. Do you need any interns during the December break, like during December, January? Because I'll be home for a month. And I would love to help out if I can. And they said, oh, we've never had an intern during that time frame because that's not part of our regular program. But sure, yeah, we actually could use someone then. So I said, give me a shot. I'll come in whenever you need me to for that month. I'll come back and forth from New Jersey into this into the city. So I went in and showed them what I had. I went for it. I just I worked hard. I did whatever I could. I was in the PR department at the time. That was the publicity department helping organize big events with celebrities and a lot of the press coverage that related to Rolling Stone and um, some of their partners. And so, of course, after those three or four weeks, they said, will you be an intern here next summer? And I said, I would love to. So sometimes I tell that story just to say, sometimes just because you get a no doesn't mean there's not a way to still get a yes. And so you know, don't always take no for an answer if there's something you want to pursue and get passion toward. That was my very first internship. Now, quick point is to say that I realized that December and that summer that PR was not necessarily going to be the route for me. But it was a great experience. I really got into the working world and understood what it takes and, and how marketing played a role and how PR played a role and how in this case editorial, played a role. And it was just interesting to see the dynamics in a creative business such as that. The The, um, the first internship I had in an ad agency was related to when I was studying abroad in London um, in the London School of Economics as program through my school. And at the end, every single person in my program went to a finance internship, and I asked to go to something different. Could I go into a marketing or agency related? Um, internship, and they hooked me up with an ad agency internship in London. And I realized how much I loved it. And I was just loving this notion of, you know, diving in on insights to understand what motivates people to make decisions around brands or around purchases, you know, being loyal or not being loyal. And I thought it was really interesting, like to understand human behavior and the insights that lead to big ideas that can Change the way we think, change the way we act, change the way we do things, and then look at the results from it. So that was the world of advertising to me, it was like the insightful human behavior that leads to the big, interesting idea that people see that leads to the understanding if it worked or not. And I just was hooked the second I had that internship. And so, my first job out of college, I was able, I was fortunate, I got a few offers um, from different ad agencies. And I ended up going to an agency at the time called DMBNB, um, which then was called Darcy after that, working on Procter & Gamble. And so Procter & Gamble, as many of you probably know, is is one of actually could be the largest advertiser in the world. So they love advertising. They revere and understand the power of strong storytelling. And so it could could not have been a better first job to understand the marketing ecosystem and I worked on oral care, so I worked on Crest toothpaste, Crest toothbrushes, and Scope mouthwash.
0: Well, what was the first like? Like you, you mentioned that really nice point, which is seeing how kind of like the business process of things and the art process kind of combines to get this reaction, to understand human behavior. Because essentially that, that is kind of like the essence of marketing. People think it's just one huge topic, but there's so many things that goes on. There's an art, a science, a psychology, a yeah. business aspect, so many things wrapped up in one in a sense. What was the first campaign you worked on that you actually saw that for yourself, that reaction between the consumers and something that you had put out there in a sense?
1: yeah, I mean, um, there's so many over the years. But I guess I'll say like one of the first uh, interesting exposures I think I had within the world of advertising was actually, again, when I was at my first job working on Procter and Gamble, and I also, I should say, I also worked on Fixident, which is a denture adhesive. And here I am twenty one years old, trying to understand what who you know who wears dentures and what why do they you know, what do they feel like when they're wearing dentures? Um, and so we did these focus groups, and we spoke to all these older people that you know whose teeth had deteriorated over the years, and they needed to wear false teeth, and fixed it was helping to make sure those teeth stayed in place. and it was just so out of my realm because it wasn't you know, I was not the consumer. I was just you know, I, I couldn't it identify
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: it was so far away. And um, so it was. It was a really interesting window of the business and understanding it to me because, as we heard, all these older people, who you know in the past may have had stereotypes of, oh, they're older, they don't want to do things, they're just going to like sit around and watch TV or whatever it might be. As we spoke to all these people, they were so energetic and they were so lovely, and they started saying, you know what? I want to live my life. I want to be like I was when I was younger. Like I want to laugh. And I remember them saying, like, I love laughing and with my mouth open, like as loud as you know, like when that's a moment where I'm so happy and joyful. But if my dentures, if I feel like my dentures are loose, I can't smile. I can't laugh. I can't enjoy myself because I'm too self-conscious. I'm too nervous about it. And so as we heard that, we realized, well, gosh, these are people that are seeking joy and they're seeking you know, happiness. And they deserve it, as we all do. And if this is something that can help bring them that confidence to be happy. That's a pretty cool role that something can, the product can play to help provoke that emotion. So we put together work that just, you know, highlighted sort of a different side of just like young at heart type of um, person. That again, at the time, was a little different than how most people were kind of showing older people in ads. It was a chance to show this vivacious, you know, exciting type of life, and we did these different scenarios and funny, fun um, circumstances. And it performed really well, and it was just a nice window to see, you know, when you start to break maybe some of the stereotypes. Which I hope we and I, this is a big part of what I do. You mentioned the DEI council; we should all be breaking stereotypes. That is should not be in any advertising. It should all be inclusive. In the past, that wasn't necessarily the case, and so it was a great moment for us to be able to say, let's shatter some stereotypes and let's show people for who they really are, because we understand who they really are. We understand why they choose products and what they want to get out of them. And that's and that's something that I think over the years I worked on, you know, very American Express. We have a lot of examples from that, Tribeca Film Festival, Nelson Mandela Foundation, Chobani, uh, Bank of America. So I think what's at the core of of what a lot of what I am motivated by and what I see from when we come up with interesting work that moves people is again coming back to the why. You know why would someone care about this? Why is it meaningful for them? Because if you, as a marketer, if you're just talking about yourself the whole time, you know, like we've got a credit card and it's like this APR and like this little, like people, that's not why people buy, get credit cards. They get it because of, you know, what will this enable me to do? What experiences can I have if I am able to have this? Like what what is the joy or what is the experience or what is the opportunity that it will bring to me? When I worked on Bank of America, one of the first things that we worked on was switching the tagline to be Bank of America. It, it became Bank of America, Bank of Opportunity, because we were saying this is a window to opportunity for many people. So it shouldn't be about, you know, this bank has good standards, which is what it was previously, it was higher standards. It should be about what it gives for you. So that's just at the heart of what I what I love about the, the insights and about the work is why, you know, really questioning the why behind any of the messaging and why, why would someone care and what can we do to, to help solve or deliver on that.
0: No, absolutely brilliant. And I think I love how you you kind of marry the two concepts of this whole ability to, to put out a message, advertising and branding and diversity and inclusion and, and, and being able to tell things that matter in a sense or, or, or stories that matter that have a real world impact. Because I personally have seen many times, it's like men stereotypes or things that we have in our in our minds may not exactly be true I, m- I remember one time I was called like through a sentence to work on a program with these kids from like this village and they were saying like oh these kids they they're, they're learning about entrepreneurship and they really we've got to teach them how to farm and how to do this and we showed up and all of these and many of these kids were like had thousands like millions of followers on Instagram for graphic design or like gaming and we were like wow their talents are like somewhere else completely but like because we always think that oh if they're from a village they probably should go into farming. It's like that. like you just mismatch kind of like what people's talents are, what people can offer in a sense when you have those stereotypes. And I never, prior to meeting you, I would say, so you you've changed my mind at the very least, thought of advertising as a tool to actually tackle those stereotypes of, of any like way and, and method. So I'm very curious to see. Um, how you've come to play with it. Because I personally feel like advertising, it's kind of a bit of a bad rep like, like that with, with all of the recent data and all of that, but it's still such a powerful tool to tell meaningful stories. In your experience, in a sense, with all of these many clients, what has been the most meaningful um, either stereotype or, or tool or, or, or message that you've managed to bring out to people that you felt had a personal impact on you or, or in the community at large?
1: I would say there was, there's lots of work over the years. I would say that um, some of the work that we did for the Nelson Mandela Foundation was certainly very powerful and very moving. Um, And the notion of it was just that it's up to each one of us to make a difference, like, you know, like lend your hand. And and there was, we had a handprint as our symbol and we just put the handprint all over everything. And it was um, because Mandela, you know, used to kind of like show his hand as like, we can all lend a hand and be a part of the change that we want to see. And that campaign was just very moving and powerful, just given who he is and what he stands for. And again, with this bigger message that it's not up to any one person to help create the change that we wanna see or or a more inclusive world or a more accepting world, it's up to every single one of us. And so that work was very meaningful and very important for me um, as I look back. There was also work that um, that I did, which was with American Express after 9-11, 9-11, which was really um, something that has stayed in my mind for, for ever since that time um, and something as, that I'm very proud of in terms of the actual messaging, which um, was basically after 9-11. And I lived in the city throughout all of that. Um, after 9-11, American Express, our clients, um, were they had been based downtown. So they were based in the World Financial Center right near the World Trade Center. And um so their building was completely um, uninhabitable and many people after 9-11 were not going downtown you know New Yorkers were not going downtown because well there was a lot of dust in the air and there was also a thought that like is everything closed down you know like everything must be closed because there's so much repair that needs to be done downtown and you know people were just not going downtown. And so at American Express, you know a they had a, a affinity and a heart for downtown because that's where their headquarters was so they were, they were living and kind of like breathing in that downtown area all the time. But secondly, they were very much um, supporters of small business. And they could see that all the small business owners, that their livelihood was their stores and their you know places of business all around the downtown area. People just were not coming down. And so they asked us to do to create a message to help try to bring people back downtown. And it wasn't about American Express, like you know, we're so great. It was actually, we put like a tiny MX thing in the corner at the very end. It wasn't about American Express. It was about how do we get people back to these businesses where these people need us? And so it was just a, we, we went and we shot throughout the streets uh, of downtown New York. It was very agile, very kind of gritty, like um, went in there with one person with a camera on their shoulder, uh, filmed a lot of these businesses. And we were showing like people turning over their signs to open or like, you know, unlocking the doors and just like putting their lights on. And the message was, you know, their electricity has come back. Their phones have come back. Um, now it's your turn. And that was it. That was all we said. This has come back. This has come back. Now it's your turn. And, um, and it was just a very powerful message and a very um, important message. And it helped to catalyze movement and activity around these businesses and these, and these people who had been in business, family businesses, for years and years and years and, and to start to help revitalize uh, New York City after that incident.
0: Absolutely beautiful. And I think very, very much of a fitting story that for the times we're in where I feel there are many things that are happening around the world that require support and sometimes support could be through the channels that we have, like as companies or as individuals in both of those stories that you illustrated. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, and first of all, hats off to you and the team for, for doing something that was that had such a good impact, I would say. On the community and this was during your time when i'm taken at ogilvy when when you were part of their team and they're a huge organization of course one of the most biggest in the industry in a sense and, and well-renowned but you also i think um and of course you did very successfully there you went be svp at i think another amazing um uh, very huge uh, advertising agency as well but you also took a step I wouldn't say a step back but it's a different step i think after that and you uh, went to a smaller firm i think called gotham first of all amazing name uh just watched the batman movie so definitely back. and you became um, a managing partner there you also kind of like took up a smaller i would or, or was really into the bootstrap process of, of building up an agency in a sense for for you as someone who had the kind of the reach in and kind of the resources that being at a larger organization than these things have and then transitioning to a smaller organization in a way that was still much up and coming how was it how did that affect kind of like your your number one like why'd you do it but also number two how did that change the way that you had to bring your people together to similarly be able to create these messages and, and bring out kind of the best for your clients
1: yeah you know i had been a big 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 agencies for and my
0: whole at it, yeah
1: right for my whole career and then I was approached for this opportunity at a smaller agency. It wasn't that small, but it was small in comparison, I guess I should say, to the to the big behemoths that I was at before. And I was asked, "Do you want to? We're going to create a role for you. Do you? You would report into the CEO. We need you to help revitalize and sort of turn this agency from a more traditional agency, which is what it had been, into a more digital, just innovative agency." and i thought about it because i you know i was so used to the resources and the you know um, you know the the capabilities that come with such a big agency network so i thought gosh this is going to be different um but why not take on that challenge i could have gone to another big agency if i wanted to but why not continue to try to you know do something new solve new problems and growth for me is a a very important value for me. So I always push myself to continue to grow. I always wanna push myself to learn more, to do more, um, to solve new challenges. And I thought this is an opportunity to do something completely different and to be able to sort of see the results from when I walk in the door and then the work and the effort that takes place too at a smaller agency, which then what I'd been at, small mid-size, which is to try to actually not only change the way people think, you know and operate because there's a more traditional thinking and process that's done but also to win new business. So a lot of what I worked on there was pitching new clients because there was a need to just get new fresh clients, get you know more again like digitally oriented clients potentially in there. Um, and so it was it was really actually an amazing experience because it was very much, you know, you're part of the leadership team, there's a small group of us and we're figuring out what are the moves we're going to make? Who do we need to pitch? Where do we think there's an opportunity? What challenges do we have? Who do we not have in the agency skill-wise that we need to hire? And so it's a lot of interesting decisions about building a business and helping to grow a business. And so it really helped harken back on my econ um, skills of business building and, um, and leveraging what I knew could be done from my experience in my big agency in, and how does that translate, or how would I adapt that for a different world here? Um, and so it was—it was a delight, and I think that I'm glad I did it because um, it was just a way to try to again round out experience. I think it, it can be easy for any of us to, you know, keep doing what's comfortable. You know, okay, I've done this with a big agency. Let me go to another big agency and do this, and then I'll do go here and do that. And it's all similar, and it's it almost. You know, I think then in my mind, this is just my perspective. Sometimes you can feel like you're on a hamster wheel. You know, you're like, I'm doing the same thing over. And over. Maybe, maybe that's getting bigger and bigger. Maybe I'm getting bigger and bigger titles, but I'm doing the same kinds of things. You know, and what could I do to get off that wheel and do something different? And that's what I did when I went to that like sort of startupy kind of mentality at a smaller agency. And that's what I definitely did when I came to Google. Was I'm going to do something from a completely different angle and get into a company that is skyrocketing in terms of growth and learn things every single day which is what i do now
0: absolutely brilliant i think it's a great segue for us to talk about how you you ended up at google i think you have a story on that itself that will probably blow our minds i know a lot of people who are like undergrads right now who dream of being able to step foot on the google campus and and that's probably what they think about every day when they wake up and every day before they go to sleep. So, but you have an interesting story of getting into it that probably is not the traditional um, what all of our undergrad friends are doing and just hoping and sending in resumes and all that. Well, what was your, how do you get into that with all of these amazing experiences that you have? Your role is something a little bit different. It's working with partners. So kind of like on the flip side in a sense. So tell us about how you ended up in a sense.
1: Yeah, well, I'll say one thing that uh, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a network and and to be comfortable networking and building those relationships. Um, When I I chose my college, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the alumni network and how strong it was. I just thought this is a great school. I'm gonna go to it. I'm excited to go to that school. But I would say to anyone, um, choosing a school or choosing a path, it's always great to get a sense for how tight the network is as that relates to it. Because um, you know, people will help you out and kind of guide you and support you along the way. So I just think that the notion of relationship building, authentic relationship building, not just you know, chatting every so often or shooting a note and not really meaning much from it, but getting to know people um, and understand people and connect with people is really important. And what I did was, I will say, when I graduated from from college, I. I started to reach out to some people in the advertising world and just made some connections to understand more about it, and that was very valuable. When I was at Ogilvy, which is one of my um, agency experiences, I just I had a lot of deep relationships. I was there for about seven years, and someone from Ogilvy had gone to Google, and I stayed in touch with her over the years, just as a friend and again as a as a connection and a networking. Um, and we went to coffee one day, and she just to reunite. I was I was at Gotham. She was at she just started at Google and she said, You would love it here. I can't even tell you. I could see you here. You would love it so much. And I said, you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy in the agency side. I'm doing a lot of solving a lot of interesting problems. But you know, I was like, Yeah, let's like, let's keep in touch. If you hear of anything, just let me know. I'm I'm curious. And um, and so we went on our ways. The next day, she emailed me and she said, You need to send me your resume right now, because I actually bumped in the hallway into somebody who is one of the leaders at within. You know a team within google who's looking for people with a creative agency background and i told him about you and he wants to meet you and i thought oh my god this is like the universe is like aligning because i just saw her yesterday and the next day she runs into this person who's looking for someone who has my skills and so i sent over my resume and i honestly i was happy where i was and what i was doing so i sent it over without too much expectation and um, and they got in touch with me. They said we want to bring you in. We have an idea for a role for you. And so I met people. I went to my interview process, um, and you know I kind of went along, not sure. By the final interview, though, I was I realized I wanted that job. And so I I really enjoyed meeting everyone. I realized this was a great next step in my career because they were trying to bring people from the creative agency world into Google to help manage some of those relationships and manage the creative industry partnership with Google. Google at the time had been very close to media agencies and, and sort of sales leads partnering with marketing clients, but they didn't have anyone really leading relationships with creative uh, industry partners. So they were trying to build up that, uh, that discipline, that team. And so I was like a perfect fit for what they were trying to do. And it just it, it worked out. Interesting story that is worth telling also is that I was pregnant when I was interviewing, very, very early pregnancy. So I hadn't really even told, you know, half of my extended family, like not everyone knew. And I was worried that, you know, what if, what if they extend the offer and then I tell them and they say, you know what, like we can't, you know, we need you to start now. We can't have you out like soon or whatever. I just was thinking about all the scenarios that could potentially happen. I was going down a total spiral thinking, oh gosh, here's the job I really want. And now I'm not, what if I don't get it because the timing is just off. I spoke to the recruiter after my last interview, and she said everyone loved meeting you. I said I loved meeting everyone. I'm super excited about this. And she said, "Is there anything that would slow down your start date? Like any reason? Do you have a contract or anything that would make you not be able to start? You know, as soon as we would love for you to start." And I said, "Well, nothing that would, you know, slow down my start date, <laughs> but." Um, I have to tell you, and this was before they extended the offer, by the way. I just said, but I felt I I had to tell them. So I said, nothing that would affect my start date, but dot, 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 and I just took this deep breath. And I was like, I'm pregnant. And without skipping a beat, the recruiter said to me, that's fine. We want you for the long term. And I thought, oh my god, I just like exhaled. And I was like, this is the company. This is it. This is a company that cares about their people, cares about people for the long term. Um, has a flexibility and empathy to it. And I just thought, this is it. I can't see myself going anywhere else. And so, of course, they accepted the offer to me a week or two later. I worked for two months, and then I was out for three months, and I came back. But couldn't be happier. It's an incredible culture. It's an incredible company. I don't blame anyone who's listening who is interested in working there. Um, and I would just say my advice would be to, you know, start to figure out who you could connect with, who is there, or figure out different, you know, sides of Google. Start reading the blogs. Start reading you know, um, more on what the company is doing, the different parts of the company um, and start to familiarize yourself with all that can be done there. And, um, you know, there's roles to marketing, to advertising, to engineering, um, to HR, you know, there's, there's a variety of different types of um, roles to play. But overall, if you have a growth mindset, like I do, and you like to learn, there's no doubt you'll be learning every single day and that's, that's yes. exciting
0: no oh, so an absolutely amazing story and as I said like I feel like everything that you say is so heartwarming that I need to take a pause to just breathe hold the tears about because it's like it's just amazing to hear these stories and I can definitely see like how the universal nine moments probably uh, seem very um, random for us but probably on on your side it was something that I I wouldn't call it serendipity, but something that probably was where your skill set intersected with a good circumstance. So I definitely like kudos to you for being that person that I would say people are looking to hire and could actually do the role well and amazingly. And, and on that note, in a sense, tell us a bit about this, the, the role that you started off in. and I think it's evolved over time. You, I mean, you've been amazing in your previous career. So it's absolutely like logical for you to grow so fast in your role at Google as well. But tell us a bit about kind of that aspect of managing these creative partners, as you said, it was something I think a little bit new for Google at that of time in introducing that and for you as a career step it was a bit of a pivot as well so with a lot of gray area in front how did you what was the first few things that you really focused on in sense in your new role
1: well when I walked into Google it was interesting because I as I mentioned I was one of the first people from more of a creative background within the sales organization so my role sits within sales and so when I walked in I realized gosh people within the sales organization don't really understand the creative side of the house because they were so oriented around media, which makes sense because from a sales perspective, you know, they're selling media space. So it's a big conversation is around the media investment and media plans and where they should be running and how to you know best think about that. So it was, you know, at the time it made sense for Google to be there the foresight of this person who wanted to hire me was we've got to talk to creative too we're talking to client marketing clients we're talking to media agencies there's a third leg of the stool creative that we're not talking to so when i came in i was sort of getting a lay of the land in terms of okay what do sellers here know about creative agencies or what do they know about the creative process and how that plays a role in other words if you want to run an ad on youtube for example You might have the most amazing media strategy and the most amazing targeting to meet, to reach the right people. But if the ad is terrible and the storytelling (laughs) and the creative is awful, people aren't going to watch it. People are not going to care. So the creative is important and it plays a role in how the performance of the ad is. And so that was what I came in to say, you know, like you can have the best media strategy in the world, but if the creative inside is not good, you're going to get not great results. And then, you know, like that, if you're a sales organization, we want to get strong results. You want to show that this is an ecosystem that's helping clients get to their results and so you know one of the first things i realized when i realized that no one really you know had as much of an understanding on creative i i decided i was going to proactively put together a training course myself with a, i i worked with this curriculum advisor on like inside the creative industry and i just put it together on my own and i said here are the people that are at the creative agency here's what they care about here's why where creative is in the process and here's how they influence know marketing decisions or here's how they influence media decisions and and so i just put that together on my own and it's interesting because it's a culture at google where you know you see a gap or you see a challenge and you just say like i got that i'm gonna solve that is that okay everyone says sure go for it so i just did it i on my own and i rolled it out to you know the sales organization to say anyone interested in learning more about the creative side of the world here's some training programs that i put together we did some in person we did some online Uh, So that was one of the first things, which is sort of like, let's create a baseline foundation of knowledge on on this side of the world so that people can start to embrace and understand it. Um, Over the years, I was able to just grow the team after we kind of got into a groove to build relationships with some of the biggest creative agencies in the industry. Because, again, I knew I actually knew a lot of the people at them because I came from that world. So I was fortunate enough to have that network and to help figure out how we could best partner with them. You know, like what could we do with them to bring an idea together to their clients to say this would be an amazing idea that would be great for YouTube or this is a great AR, you know, augmented reality idea. Let us talk about it with you and how we could bring it to life. So we just created more creative moments of discussion and partnership. And over the years, um, we've built up the sales, the creative sales engine, essentially. And now I'm proud to say that, you know, my team, the US team, my team, is um, the largest creative sales team in the world. And so we were able to build over the years by learning, by growing, by understanding how we can further reinforce to a historically more media-centered organization, which now is understanding and on board with the notion that creative is a critical lever to stronger marketing results. And so, that is now i'm proud to say that that is now being talked about very broadly that's understood so when i flash back to the 11 years when i started 11 years ago when i started i'm very proud of where we have how far we've come and i'm super excited about where we're headed
0: you know it's amazing because the name of the show is literally changing reality and if i see if i could summarize what you've done in all of those aspects of the of your career you literally shake things up you change the reality around you whether it was when you first started out, like like creating awareness about people or in it kind of like the actual things that's going on, or, or whether it was kind of like helping people revamp their entire business, or so even today, the work that you've accomplished so much at Google, in a sense, it's like you literally change the game of wherever you are, which is absolutely mind-blowing to see. And I think that's so much we can learn from you that 100 interviews would never do you justice, in a sense, because you just seem like the kind of person with, with so much knowledge to share. But as we wind down, I think maybe one final question, which is I've been reading a little bit about some of the articles that you put out. You put out amazing articles as well. And one of the things that I that I was reading earlier today, which really struck was actually some of your tips for um, kind of like uh, videos and, and creative uh, work and all of that. And it was about making things personal. And you said so many amazing things, and not just in that, but in everything that you do, for whether it's relate to your audience, whether it's to catch their attention immediately, which I personally feel like, it's golden advice in a sense but for you in all of these experiences i know many of our audience probably want to communicate an idea to someone probably want to share about something that they're passionate about what do you think is the one thing that makes or breaks in a sense the ability of creative content to deliver its message
1: i mean i think that if it comes if it's about creative content in particular i really think it comes back to that point about the why you know like why should someone care why should why should someone be interested in what i have to say because the reality is we all have a choice when it comes to ads and marketing right now actually we have two choices choice one skip look away <laughs> scroll click out you know like like you have so many right. so many ways to just disregard an ad like there's a very clear choice don't want to see it not interested in it but we also have the choice to opt in so if something is relevant to me if it connects with something it connects with my why, if I care about it, you know, like I might not be a great athlete, but if I see something from Nike that says each and every one of us are athletes and each and every one of us can dream big, that's inspiring to me and I'm going to opt in. So, you know, you try to figure out what is that why or what is that message or sort of motivating um, thought as to how you can grab someone and, and be relevant to what they care about. So, you know, to your point earlier about someone might be into gaming someone else might be into reading someone else might be into you know fitness someone else might be into cooking if you can understand more about what are the motivators for your audience and then craft messages that relate to them and by the way we live in a world now where you can craft those personal messages and people kind of expect you to have a message that's somewhat relevant because you don't have to do a one-size-fits-all ad anymore so we have the opportunity to storytell in ways that will connect with people And that's how you move people forward that's how we move brands forward is you know finding that intersection of what is going to move someone and what do they care about and what's relevant to them and what does the brand have that can help to meet that need and when you can find that connection point you know someone chooses you and you can choose to deliver and give them something interesting whether it's a story or a product or brand love um but i think that's the intersection that we're all looking for in the marketing world is is how do you, you know, how's the reciprocity that both sides get something out of it—the consumer and the brand?
0: Absolutely amazing, and I think that, as I said, you are someone who's absolutely brilliant. Whether it's in championing stories that matter and coming up with content that's that, that's efficient, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And I hope that you had at least a fraction of the amount of fun that I did having.
1: I did. Thank you. Time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
0: All right. Well, thank you. And to our audience, I hope you guys enjoyed today's session of Changing Reality as well. For all of you watching, make sure to tune in again next Thursday at 10 p.m. ET or wherever that is around the world for you. So thank you and bye. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS
1: Radio.